Hi, good morning, friends. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. Well, welcome. I want to start off this morning by uh, telling you about a little vacation that my wife, Lindsay, and I went on last summer with the rest of my family. Like any good Texan, when it got hot, we went to Colorado, right, where it's cool. And so we spent an entire week up there. Uh, really, you know, we went to go to the mountains where it was going to be cool and cold outside, but we really did not spend much time in the actual mountains. We uh, stayed just outside of a little town called Fairplay. Fairplay is nestled in a valley that's in between two big mountain ranges. And there's uh, the reason why we spent all of our time down there is we really discovered, hey, there's more things to actually do down here than there is up on the top. And so we had a good time. Uh, little uh, known fact that the, the National Borough Festival takes place every summer in Fairplay, Colorado. So if you want to go and see the donkey celebrated Go ahead and schedule that for next summer. It's a great time. They do this crazy ultra marathon where these people run like 50 miles dragging. They can't ride it. They have to drag the burrow along. Anyway, we saw that. It was fun to see what that was all about. And then uh, also my nephew had recently uh, trusted Christ. He's 10 years old and there was a, a little lake out there uh, outside of the city. And so we went out there and my older brother and I got to baptize Kessler, which is really fun. And then there's wildlife everywhere. And so we were driving around trying to find elk and deer. And we actually saw a moose, which those things are huge. If you've never seen a moose, they're massive. And then, uh, of course, in the middle of a valley in Colorado, there's going to be a river. And in any river in Colorado, there is trout. And that being being the fly fisherman that I am, spent a good bit of time uh, fly fishing. We had an amazing time making all these memories all throughout the week. And it was really fun. Um, but it wasn't until the last day of the trip that we actually started to make our journey uh, up towards the top of the mountains. And if you head through the valley and begin to go up to the mountains, you get to this pass called Hoosier Pass. And uh, if you pull off uh, to the side, there's a trail that takes you across the side of the mountain to this amazing scenic overlook where you can see the entire valley. And so we get out of the car and we're walking through what seems like forever as the canopy is, is all over us. And then eventually we bust through the tree line and we get to this spot, this scenic overlook where when you turn back, you can see the entire valley. And it was beautiful. And even though we didn't do much as we were up there at this scenic overlook, it was probably the most fun that we had the entire vacation. And let me tell you why. It's because from up there, we could see all the places in the valley where we made amazing memories throughout our trip. And so from up there, way off in the distance, we could see, we're like, hey, look, there's, there's Fair Play, population 100. Like, see it, it's awesome, it's right there. And then, look, you know, there's a little lake where Kessler was baptized, and here's where we saw the moose, and here's where we were catching the trout and the river, and it was so fun to spend, probably the most fun we had the entire vacation, to spend some time up there looking back over this valley where we had made all these memories together uh, on our vacation. And the reason why I start there uh, and tell you that story is because as a campus, Watermark Fort Worth, as a church, we are at a moment uh, in time that is a scenic outlook moment for our campus. Most of you probably uh, don't remember or don't know that five years ago this month, Watermark Fort Worth was started. And over the past five years, we have seen 
month in and month out, week in and week out, God do amazing things in our body, people's lives being drastically changed. And so one, it's the five-year anniversary kind of of our campus that makes this a scenic outlook moment. And then also later this year, we're going to be transitioning out of the Ridgely Theater over into our new home. And so it just seems appropriate right now in our history as a church to stop, to stop for a moment at this scenic outlook time in our history and look back and really celebrate and recognize and give thanks to God for what he has done in our body. And so we're gonna do that this morning. It's gonna be really fun to celebrate. I can't wait for what's coming. But, but as, we all, as we talk about what God has done, we're then gonna transition the second half of this morning and talk about what we must continue to do if we want the next five years of our church to look anything like the first five years have. And so how we're going to dive into that this morning is looking at a story in the Old Testament, specifically in 2 Kings chapter 7. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to that. It's in the Old Testament. If you have your phone, you can pull it up on your phone. This is an amazing story that's really hidden somewhat in your Old Testament. So it's going to be fun to talk about it um, this morning. And it's a story about four men uh, in a city who are desperate and who are uh, desperate for a way out of their current situation. And it focuses on four men in particular. But to understand that, we need to understand the context of what's going on uh, in the story. And so these four men are located in the city of Samaria. Samaria is at war, and they are not winning. The enemy, the army uh, of the enemy has surrounded the city and completely cut them off. And what that means is all the supply routes that would have brought um, food and water and other supplies into the city has been completely shut off. And also there's no escape route. So resources can't come in and people can't come out. So what happens when you spend a few weeks or longer in that situation? You run out of food, you run out of water, and then what do you do? You can't resupply. And we learned as we began to read kind of in a chapter before the context of what's going on here that it had gotten so bad. The people were so hungry. They were starving so bad that they looked to something to meet their needs that no one in their right mind would ever do. And it says that in their hunger, in their starvation, they began to offer up one another's children to eat. They turned to cannibalism. Now just imagine for a moment, how hungry would you have to be to go to that um, drastic reach to get some food? You would have to be near death. But these people, it was their last hope. And they did a, a crazy act to try to find some food to satisfy this hunger that they had. They were desperate for need. And so it's at that point that this story turns and talks about these four men. And so we'll pick up in verse three as we begin to talk about this. And uh, so we'll start there. It says, now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the city gate. So these four men who have the disease of leprosy, but even more so, even more troublesome is that they are stuck right where all these people are in the city, literally starving to death. And so they were at the entrance of the city gate right there in the front of the city, and they said to one another, why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city, and we will die there. If we sit here, we'll die also. 
Now therefore come and let us go over to the camp of the Arameans. Let us go to the enemy camp. And if they spare us, we will live. And if they kill us, we will but die. And so here's what happened. These men who are starving to death got so desperate. And as they're talking to each other, they said, hey, look, if we stay here, we're going to die. Whether it's right here at the front of the city or in the city, we are going to die. But we know a place that has food. We know a place that has water. And we know that if we go there, there's a good chance that uh, this army, these people there who are enemies will, will kill us, but maybe they won't. We're going to die anyway, and so let's give it a shot. So essentially what they said is, um, hey, we're sick and tired of being here. We're tired of being hungry. And so you know what we're going to do? We're going to get up, and we're going to go to where we know that there is food. And by chance, maybe we'll get to eat. That's us. That was us. That was you. And what I mean by that is, There are some literally in this room who at some point over the past few years have literally been starving. But for most of us, it's not actually starving for uh, literal food, that's our case, but we have been starving, we have been hungry, hungry to know uh, that we're loved. You've been hungry to know that you matter, that you have value, that you have worth that you've been starving to find some way to be set free from this addiction that keeps weighing you down, some way to have hope where there has been no hope in your life, some way to know that can something come of this marriage that reflects in no way the joy that I hoped that it would. And we were stuck and desperate in the same way that these men were. And many of you, most of you, have come have seen a place where uh, food was readily available to come and see God meet your needs. And you've come and you've done that. And that's what these lepers decide to do. And so we'll keep going in the story. And in, in verse five, it says that because they knew where there was food, then they decided to go there. They arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Arameans. And when they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord, God, had caused the army to hear the sound of of chariots and the sound of horses and even the sound of a great army. So they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore they, the army, arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents there and their horses and their donkeys and the camp just as it was and fled for their life. Okay. So we can't miss what's happening there. This army was on the verge of victory. And there is no explainable reason for why they would up and leave. There is no explainable reason for why this camp would be empty of people but filled with supplies. But we see the reason why. And it's because God showed up. And he made a way where there was no way. He provided food when there was no opportunity to eat. And so uh, God had made this provision for them to come up. And it says that um, the lepers then came to the outskirts of the camp. And now imagine this for a second. Um, That you're hungry. 
Okay, it doesn't take much to imagine that. I'm hungry right now, right? And uh, we have a term for whenever we miss a meal, what happens a little, a few hours later in the day. We're not just hungry, we get hangry, right? It affects us, right? These men had not eaten in days, if not weeks. And they're coming up, this, these people had just left this army had just left, and now they're coming up to the outskirts of the camp. And you can imagine as they get close, they start to smell something. It smells like bacon. Have you ever smelled bacon in the morning, like when you had a late breakfast? Someone wants to have brunch, which means I don't want to get up early and meet you for breakfast. And so you go to have brunch, and you get there, and you're starving, and you walk in, and you smell the bacon, and just, oh, you're like, oh, that's going to be so good. Now, imagine you hadn't eaten in two weeks and you start to smell it. But also, you know, like it's kind of unbelievable. Like there should be people here. These, these men are thinking there should be people here. And so you could imagine their reluctance as they uh, carefully approach the first tent. And they're like, I wonder if they're inside. And so they begin to peek in and they see that nobody's there except the breakfast that's prepared. And they go in and they huddle up and they start, they start eating. And they're like, oh, this is fantastic. And they're like, and we haven't heard anybody. Maybe they're really gone. What else is here? What else is here? They're like, I'm still ravenous. What else is here? And so they like split up. And it says that, um, that after they came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank and carried from their silver and gold and clothes and went and hid them. And then they returned and went to another tent and carried from there also. And so they went from tent to tent to tent with all of this food, all of these things to drink that were satisfying the, the starving appetite that they had. And I could imagine them going, one of them going to one, like, hey guys, we got lamb chops over here. And they're running over there. And the other one, and they're like, hey, this one's got like zucchini. And they're like, what's in the next one? And so they go over and they look at the next one. And so they're going back and forth and they're just enjoying it. And then they stumble upon a part of the camp that had water heated up and they were able to take a bath and then all the, the clothes that were there and put on fresh clothes and just how good that would feel after just being trapped in a place with no resources for weeks. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. And then you can see as they start to get their bellies full, they have a satisfied appetite for the first time in, in weeks, months. And just the tears that might be coming down their face as, their face as they look at each other and they're just like, I can't believe this. Hugging, high-fiving, celebrating all the food that was there. And they're like, man, we have more than enough. We'll never be hungry again. Look at all this stuff. That is also us. That is us. That is you. If we look back on the past five years, that we have been here in Fort Worth as a church, we see over and over again how God has provided in crazy ways, just like that. Just like that, but you know, this doesn't ever happen if these lepers, if these starving men never admit the fact that they're hungry. If they never admit the fact that they're hungry and that they need to get out of their current situation and go to somewhere that they might find food, this never happens. Well, what's so fun, what's so fun is that this church has become known as a place where people can admit that they're struggling, where people can admit that they're hungry. 
So much so that um, to the point that um, we have been identified in the community as such. My friend Gary Stroop, who you heard from just a few minutes ago, I was talking to somebody a year or two ago about um, where uh, they go to church and they asked Gary, they said, hey, where do you go to church? And Gary said, Watermark. And their response was amazing. They said, oh, that's the church where people go if they struggle with pornography. (laughs) Yes, it is. And adulterers and addicts and people who were angry, people who struggle with same-sex attraction and fill in the blank, people who were lonely, who are hurting, who feel they have no value, this is where they come. Because this is a place where it's safe to admit that you need help. And then it's been a place to find help, to not be stuck in your struggle, to see God show up and to provide things that the world doesn't think is possible. And so when I talk about this, I don't mean that this is the place where we boast in our sin and say, hey, we do this and it's okay to do that. What I am saying is this is a place where as people have had the courage and the faith to say, I am not well, they have entered in and seen God show up and bring them to a place where they are well. And over the course of the past five years, if we look back, we've seen God provide for people who are lonely and depressed fellowship and community and companionship. We've seen people who have been hurting from harms done to them find healing in a way that's only explainable because God showed up. We've seen people who are struggling in addictions to alcohol or drugs or pornography, whatever it may be, we've seen God show up and lead them to freedom. To freedom. And we've seen people who are without hope in life, we've seen God show up and bring them to a place where they're no longer recognizable because of how much joy they have because God showed up in their life. And so as we are at this scenic outlook moment for our church, as we are five years in, I think it is only appropriate for us to take a few minutes to look back and see how in the same way that God provided the food as the solution to the hunger for these men that God has provided through Christ, the solution for so many, for all of the needs that we have experienced. And I could spend the next 30 minutes trying my best to explain to you how God has done that and it would fall short. So I don't want to try to explain to you anymore how God has met our needs. I want us to see it for ourselves. I want us to see it by giving you the opportunity to see some uh, very courageous and faithful people share how they were hungry and how God showed up and met their need. So let's look at that now.
Ain't that something? I don't know if there's a more beautiful sight than to look back and to see the desperate need of, of our situation. You could literally see it on the faces of some of my friends of how, oh, and how overwhelmed they are of how God has shown up in their life. Moving them to tears, moving us to praise. I walk through here every single week talking to you, either on a Sunday or different environments throughout the week, and it is story after story. Uh, uh, whenever we were preparing to, for, for this, for this Sunday, to, to talk about sharing testimonies, cardboard testimonies, I asked the staff, I kind of gave the vision for what we were wanting to do this morning, and I said, okay, I need you to send me the names of uh, people that you know who have had their lives um, changed over the past five years. And within minutes, minutes, not just the 20 stories you just saw, but a hundred plus stories came in to the point that literally I said, we have enough. <laughs> we don't have time to, fill, uh, to follow up with everyone. We have more than enough. And it is amazing of how God has shown up. And you could imagine those four men sitting together with a full belly, no longer hungry, no longer thirsty, clean, probably lounging on the, the best furniture they could find in that camp and just saying, look around, guys. Look around. We have more than enough. Like, we'll never have to go anywhere else. We have more than enough right here. And then something happens in the story. And I don't know if, uh, based on where they were sitting or what happened, but at some point... I imagine them in all of their excitement of joy for what they had uh, looking out at the horizon with a full stomach seeing the city from which they came. The city where they know people by name who are starving. Who are still living there without hope without knowledge of everything that's around. And I could see them looking at each other and going, guys, not only do we have enough, we have enough for everyone. We have enough for everyone to come and eat and be satisfied, to no longer be hungry, to no longer be thirsty. We have all we need. And so it says in the story, it says they looked and, and said to one another, we are not doing right. Meaning we can't just sit here and keep all of this food to ourselves. There's people that are starving. We are not doing right. For this day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell. Let us go back to the city where there are people who we know by name who are starving right now and tell them that there is food for all. There is enough for everyone. There is enough for everyone. But it's funny that 
in this story, these men didn't come to that realization. They didn't decide to go and tell until they remembered the condition of the people in the city. Because you only go and tell people something you think they know they need to hear. Right? And that's where we are at danger. There is much to celebrate. There is much to gather around and to give thanks to God for, but there is a danger. And that danger is that we don't realize the need that exists in our city. The need for Jesus that exists in our city. Because after all, right, we live in the great state of Texas. We live in Fort Worth, where everybody's a good old boy and grew up going to church. And there's no need to tell people about Jesus because everybody already knows. In reality, that, that's kind of uh, somewhat of a mindset that I can slip into because we think that right here in the Bible Belt that everybody knows, but that is not the truth. If you would have asked me uh, how many people, like what's the average out of every 10 people you meet, how many of them do you think uh, identify as, as evangelical Christians, I probably would have said six or seven out of 10. I feel like most people um, in this area know Jesus, uh, but that's not reality at all. According to the 2010 census, looking at Tarrant County, only three, only three out of every 10 people that you meet identify as Christians, identify as evangelical Christians. And it wouldn't surprise me, that, that was a shocking number for me to look at to realize that uh, there are that many people right here who, who don't identify as someone who, who places their salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But it wouldn't shock me if it's even lower because for the longest time, if all I had to do was check a box on a form to, to tell people what faith I was, I would check evangelical Christian. But I had no idea uh, what the truth of the gospel was because I would have said at the end of the day, if some, someone asked me about, hey, why do I think I have a relationship with God or would go to heaven? I would say, because I... And I know I struggle and do some things, but I think I try to do good. And I would have said something that was based on everything about me and my works at, at the neglect of uh, placing faith truly in the work of Jesus Christ on my behalf. And so I think there are a bunch of people in our city who use Christian language, but have no idea what it means to be saved by faith alone in Christ alone. There is much work to be done. We may live in a churched city, but we do not live in a Christian city. There is a great need out there of people who need to know about what you have found. They need to know how God has provided for you, has, how God has met your needs, and how he can and desires to meet their needs as well. One other uh, fact that just helped me realize how desperate the need of our city is, is that um, there is a large growing segment of our population that has no religious belief whatsoever. So think atheist, agnostic, identify with no religion whatsoever. Um, in the, from the year 2000 to 2010, that number grew from half a million to 800,000 people right here who have no idea what they're missing out on in Jesus Christ. Who's gonna tell them? After all, we have more than enough. We've seen God show up. 
We've seen God meet our needs to be whole, to be valued, to be found worthy, to have friendships and companionship, to be set free from things that weigh us down. We've seen God show up. And so let's not just talk about the need of our city. If we're going to go and tell, most of us aren't going to do so from a platform. We're going to go and tell through individual relationships. So let's not talk about the city in theory. Let's talk about people you know. Do you know anyone who's struggling? Do you know somebody who's hurting? Do you know somebody who wishes their marriage was stronger than it is? Do you know somebody who's caught up in worrying what other people think about them? Who are marked by anxiety and worry? Are you doing right? Are you doing right? Are we letting our joyful response of realizing that we have all we need in Christ overflow into letting them know that, hey, we have all they need in Christ? And if they would come and see who this Jesus is, that they too could experience the same joy that we have in seeing those needs met. And so in the same way that the lepers in realizing those four starving men realized that they had all they needed and so they went and told the city, we too must go and tell. If we want to continue to see the next five years of our church experience the amazing things that we've experienced over the first five years, we must, with all the more passion and zeal, go and tell the people who we know of what we have found so that they too can have the choice to respond. And you know, uh, going and telling people only happens, largely only happens through the context of relationships. And so really before we go and tell the people, we must go and get to know them. And it's hard to tell somebody that needs Jesus about Jesus if you don't know what need exists in their life. And so I want you to think about this morning is, um, do you know people? It it should be um, a cause of motivation for you. If you look at the relationships that exist in your life and you don't have a single friendship with someone who doesn't know Christ. If you don't have a single friendship with somebody who's not struggling. If we end up there, if you end up there, you're in a similar spot than what these four starving men were in and you're not doing right. And look, that's okay. But may the reality of understanding how desperate our city is, how people are starving, and how you have the food that they need to be satisfied, may that understanding move all of us to be more intentional and more personal, to get to know people. Why? Because we love them. And because we love them, the greatest thing that we want to tell them about is Christ. And to invite them to come and see who this Jesus is and to belong to a body, to belong to a church, to have community and have all these other things around them. And so we must go um, and tell. And so let me uh, real quick jump back into the text and paraphrase for you uh, how this story ends. And so 
The lepers acted on their conviction. They didn't just talk about going and telling the people. They actually did. And when they did, they came to the one person who could get the message out to the city quicker than anybody else. And so they go to the king. They go to the king's household and they say, hey, you're not going to believe this. I know y'all are starving. And check this out. There is an army camp full of food, enough food to satisfy every single person in the city. There's more than enough for everyone. And you know what the king's reply is? You know what he says? I don't believe it. It's too good to be true. There's no way that this could possibly happen. And so the king, um, thinking that it's too good to be true, identifies a few scouts who he sends out to go to the camp and see if it's true. And these men go out and they're like, hey, what they're saying is true. And so they come back and tell the king and the king tells the people of the city and their response is what anyone who truly recognizes the fact that they're starving would do when they find out there's food at a certain place, they go. And it says that the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans, which means they went and they ate and they drank and they were satisfied. They were no longer hungry. They were no longer thirsty. God met their needs. And God wants to meet your needs as well. There's really uh, three groups of people in the room this morning. And and how we respond, how you respond uh, to what you're hearing this morning is really based on what group uh, that you're in. And the first group are um, those of you who hear this story about these lepers, these starving men, and uh, you see testimonies of how people... Uh, were trapped with different uh, needs uh, in their hangups in their life and you don't identify with any of it because at the end of the day your life is pretty good you have a good job your marriage is doing pretty good you get to eat out a few times a week you have reliable transportation you're enjoying life you get to take a good vacation to Colorado every year and uh, what you need to know is that uh, the comfort of your life may be the very thing that's keeping you from having the greatest need in your life met. Scripture says that uh, there is no one who does good, that all of us fall short of the glory of God, that all of us have a need to be forgiven. Not just for forgiveness sake, but so that we can be brought into a relationship with God, with the creator of the heavens and the earth, who uh, wants to give us a life of joy that can only be experienced when we walk in a relationship to him. And so if you're in that camp this morning, I would encourage you not to just let uh, this message roll off your back, but to really consider uh, your need for forgiveness and your need for a relationship with Jesus Christ. The second group of people in the room this morning are those of you who, uh, from the very first moment that we began talking about these men who were starving, and how they had a need and they were tired of being stuck in it and they they desperately wanted more than anything else to no longer be where they were, you identified with them. But yet you've not come to a place where you've seen the completion of their story be the completion of your story. You're still on a spot this morning where you are without hope. That you're concerned that your marriage may be never become what God has always intended for it to be, where you're caught up in an addiction 
that no matter how hard you want to break free from it, you're just not able to. You are very acutely aware of what you are hungry for and of what the needs are that exist in your life, but you've not yet taken the step to publicly admit it, to uh, proclaim, even admit it to yourself that, hey, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, and I need help. And what's likely keeping you from doing so is the same thing that kept me from doing so eight years ago, and that's fear. It's fear. Fear that if I'm really honest about how I'm struggling, that people will see me as a burden, or that people will judge me, or that people will reject me, or feel that, that fear that you'll be looked at is kind of odd because you're the only one that struggles with that. That's what kept me quiet for so long. That's what kept me quietly struggling with pornography from the time I was in high school to a few years after college. And what it took for me to overcome that fear was being in an environment around some other men who had the faith to be honest, who had the faith to say, I too once was a struggler, or I am a struggler. But this is how I am moving towards Jesus to have uh, freedom become a reality in my life. And when I began to admit that I needed help and move towards Jesus, I began to move towards being set free and am set free in the same way that all of my friends are who you heard from this morning. And so if you're in that camp where you are acutely aware of, of what you are hungry for, of what your needs are, I want you to know that God can meet your needs. God desires more than anything else to meet your needs, to bring you to a place where you are satisfied and you need nothing else apart from Christ. And so I want to ask you this morning to respond in faith, a faith that overcomes fear and to declare that, that you need help, that you're struggling. There are many tents here as a part of this church where you can come and see God satisfy those appetites, those needs, those desires in your life. And so maybe you're at a spot where you're uh, caught up with an with a unhealthy habit in your life. Call it an addiction, call it whatever you need, something that is destructive and you want to move past it but you just simply don't know how or harm has been caused to you to such an extent that you just can't seem to believe that, that you could be loved. I pray that you're with us tomorrow night at Regeneration where you'll see a room full of people, fellow strugglers coming and realizing that Christ can bring that freedom, that Christ can bring that healing and restoration into your life as well. If your marriage is not moving up and to the right, but you're on this downward slope, I pray that you're here on Wednesday night with us. Come and join us at Reengage. Come and join us at Reengage and see God show up and meet the needs for you to understand what each of your parts are in your marriage and how following Christ is the solution to your marriage becoming everything that you wanted it to be. If you're in your 20s and 30s, come and join us on Tuesday nights at the porch and see the, gr the greatest thing that you could give your life to, pursuing, and join 
an army of young adults who are with us who are giving their life to going and telling people to come and see this Jesus. Maybe you've been in church your entire life and you've known about this Jesus, but something is missing and it's that you don't actually know how to have a relationship with him. Join us for Equip Disciple where we wanna walk with you and help show you how to have a daily walk, a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Open up your watermark news. It is littered with tents, with environments, with opportunities where you can show up and be fed and see God satisfy all those needs um, in your life. And then there's the third group. The third group is those of us who have been on this journey together. And it has been a fun journey. Those of us who have been here to see God person after person, week after week, uh, dr drastically meet the needs of other people, fellow strugglers as us who are no longer strugglers because the way that God has shown up in their lives, that's the rest of us who are in this room. And we have a responsibility. It is to do right. Yes, do right. And it's to understand the reality of our city. That we live in a city that may be churched, but it is not Christian. And that it is full of people who desperately need to know about Jesus Christ and how in trusting him and following him, every need that they have in their life can be met. And they can have that joy and peace and contentment in him. And so we've got to be faithful to do that. Um, do you know who's having the most fun in the room this morning? It's all the people who were connected to the testimonies that belonged to the people who shared because they were there. Like when we've been on this journey, they were there in those moments when someone raised their hand and said, hey, I'm not well, I need help. And that, they were part of how God showed up in their life and began to meet the needs that they had to show them, hey, that there's food here. Let me show you where to find it, where you can eat and have walked with them. And uh, those 20 stories are just the tip of the iceberg. Just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many more, so many more. And so um, just as a part of that, uh, as we're at this scenic overlook moment, I don't want us to miss the opportunity to really look back and see the entire valley, to see everything that God has done. And so I wanna ask some of you um, for something, to help out with something. Over the past five years, if you've been here at any length of time, the whole time or a week, doesn't matter. If you've been here and you have seen God show up and your life has been changed because of Jesus Christ, as a testament to not us, but to his work, to him showing up and meeting those needs in your life. Uh, would you stand up? Just look around for a moment. It's amazing. It's amazing what God has done. It's amazing what God wants to continue to do but it's only gonna happen. The next five years are only gonna continue to look like this if we are faithful to do our part 
to go and tell people to come and see. And so let's pray and thank him now and then stand as we close in worship. God, thank you. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory according to your loving kindness, which you've seen all over this room. Thank you for my friends who had the courage and the faith and the joy to stand up here in front of this room today and declare how they were in desperate need for help and then how you showed up. I pray that we would never grow tired of celebrating what you're doing. I also pray that we would never forget the condition of the city in which we live, the desperate need that people have, that people are lost and walking in darkness, that there's people out there who are hurting and lonely and without hope and how you want to use us to be the messengers, to go and tell them of where they can come and find food that they can eat to be full, to be satisfied. I pray this morning, God, if there's anyone in this room who is currently there, I pray that you would give them the courage to, to reach out, to declare, I need help, and that they would be amazed about how you will show up in their life. God, help us to never forget how good you are. Help us to remember that we don't need to go anywhere else, that you are enough, that you are enough, and so that we will stay in your presence where there is satisfaction to be found. And so remind us that now, God, as we celebrate your work in our body and are reminded of that truth. We love you. Amen.